Hey guys, instead of it being casual, Friday is casual Wednesday, and tonight, Medium Nancy Mats will be discussing the movie Defending Your Life. See you in about a minute. Grab your popcorn and snacks, find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Good evening, everybody. My name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour or so. I'm also the owner. Hang on, let me push my buttons. Hey, I got my buttons pushed. Woohoo! I'm also, <laughs> I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team, based out of not so sunny Sacramento. We're 45 strong up and down the state, which means if you have a paranormal need, we can get you. Let me adjust my sound a little bit. I think I'm blasting a little bit too much. There we go. Uh, which means we can get to you. It may take us a couple of days. We can get to you. And in the situation where it does take us a couple of days, we do have psychics like and mediums like Nancy on staff who can call you. And in most cases, if it is paranormal, they can call me energy down until we get out there. That being said, if you're watching from Facebook today, and a lot of you are, please feel free to follow if you haven't done so already. And if, if you do happen to like what you're seeing and hearing, leave us a thumbs up. Show us some love. You know, uh, comment in the chat room because the more you guys do that, the more Facebook sees us and puts us up higher, like what they, what they call the Netherlands of FYP, and it spreads us out to more people. Just like if you're at home with somebody right now who's a, who's like in the other room, but they're not doing anything, bring them in here to listen to the show, okay? The show's pretty cool. It's a little show that could. YouTube, same thing. 900 videos and, and change, and they're all about this show, and they're all different topics. So if you haven't done so already and uh, you like what you hear and see today, please feel free to hit that subscribe button. I'd really appreciate it. And leave comments here. And uh, same thing, happy faces and all that good stuff. If you need to find the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team, it's fairly easy. Just Google us, California Haunts Paranormal Investigation, or, um, or just California Haunts Radio, and that'll put you there. Okay, we're going to do a review on this movie. And I, I saw parts of the movie today, so I'm, I felt like I'm totally up to speed. But I am defending yourself. But before we talk about that, since we're on the topic of videos and stuff, who's a Quantum Leap fan out there? I'm a big Quantum Leap fan. And uh, the ratings haven't been that good, so there's no word on whether the show will be back next next season. However, they just did the the the, the, the two-hour end, the finale. It was two shows, two separate shows with the finale on the same night. They did a fantastic job. Whoever was the, you know, whoever handled the writing and producing and all the directing, fantastic job. Um, either way, the way it's set up for either continuing continuing the show on should they get renewed, but it was a satisfying ending should they not get renewed. Because if anybody watched the original Quantum Leap, it sucked because Sam, his lead character, he's out there somewhere still still leaping. He's got what? He's got to be fifty to sixty years old now. They could never find him or bring him back. However, Al, who you know, who, who was the, the the main guy there that, that that was his hologram, Sam was able to set it up so Al got to go back to his wife after all those years. So he ended up marrying and having like four three or four daughters. So anyway, this is set up beautifully. And so whether they if they bring the show back, it's going to continue from this point. If they cancel the show, everything's cool, right? I'm not going to give it away, but everything is cool. All right, done with that. 
done with that. Tonight, I'm not going to go live with it, but I am going to make a recording and tell you guys, and I can tell you guys a little secret about how I do phone call guests here in the studio. What happens normally is I have a mic stand off to the side, and it's, it's just like this, this mic boom right here, and I usually have the table he sits on, and I lay the phone on the table, and I point the mic down at the phone and put the phone on the speaker. Which works. You know, it doesn't work that bad. Sometimes we get issues where there's an echo and it's kind of hard and, it's, and you hear more than, than you should. So what I decided to do was build the phone its own recording studio. So I have uh, did some prep work on it today. And so I'm going to record this uh, whole procedure and I'm going to post it. So if any of you guys are interested in seeing how one would how one with, with with no funds, which is what I have. I don't have that fancy setup that, that, that these other shows have for phones or anything like that. I've created my own way of doing it. And this is going to ensure it because now the phone will essentially be in a soundproof room by itself. So I won't be hearing anything coming out the side of it and you won't be hearing any extra coming out of it. So Nancy and I are going to be busy probably this weekend or at some point with her on the phone and me doing experiments with this thing to make sure it's working the way it's supposed to. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to show how to build one of these things tonight. And I'm going to I'm going to shoot the video and then post it up to, um, you know, and then post it on YouTube. I'm going to show you guys how I do it. So be on the lookout for that. I don't know if I'll have it done tonight video-wise. I'll probably have it done tomorrow or the next day video-wise. But it's a good way to show you how I did it. Just like I'm going to show you how I built my sound studio in here, even though it's already built. I, I can go over the stuff that I you know, how, how I did the sound absorption work and everything in here. So I'm going to be doing that as well to show you guys. It's a, kind of like a couple of how-to videos. All right, that being said, this movie looks terrific. I didn't get to see it all. I saw parts of it, but it looks like a movie I want to see. Unfortunately for me, it's, it's a rental for me for $3.99. But uh, hopefully things are clear, you know, uh, I can do it this week or next week and really take a look at this. Just like Chances Are. I saw Chances Are, and we talked about that last week. I saw Chances Are like four or five years ago and only parts of that too. So I'm, so I'm really eager to see this movie. And this movie is like my sense of humor. So I really, really like it. All right. I'm going to bring Nancy on. We'll get the show on the road and away we go. And Nancy can take as much time as she needs. And I know Jerry saw the, the, the saw, saw, saw some of this movie too. So Jerry's in the, in the chat room. So yeah, we all can chime in. So let's do this. And hopefully you guys that are listening off screen, because we have, Two active listening in, but the people that are listening off screen enjoy this as much as we do because I, I know you're out there. The lurkers. The lurkers. That's why I call myself Caesar's Ghost Online. So I too can lurk. All right, here we go. I think I need to know what it means to lurk. Lurking? What's when okay? You 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 go to watch a show like this. Because you can uh -huh. watch it clicking on it. You can just watch the show. I do it all the time on TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's a lurker. Those are lurkers oh. because they, they don't want to be have their name up on this thing to just show that they're watching. I call them oh. lurkers. Facebook calls them reached. That's sort of the reached category on Facebook. Well, yeah. I've, wa I've listened to your shows while, you know, not live, but later on I'll watch recording. And I'll do other things. I'll just have it on. Yeah. But I'm not sitting and watching. Exactly. So to where your name doesn't come up on the screen. See, that's what oh. it is. It's people just watching from afar. Or listening from afar, background I, noise. I, really uh, for, there's a whole lot of me for background noise. I have enjoyed um, our conversations about RSS feed. The public, those who are listening tonight, are who are not the RSS feed. It's amazing to me how it reaches around the world, and we're tapping into 
shows that we probably couldn't hear otherwise, but RSS feed does give that to you. And, they, and it's our amazing. audience when tonight. I, when I see the, you know, when, when I go look at the map, because they, they provide a map of, of where these shows are. I'm going to call it beaming yeah. out because that's how I feel. I'm a Star Trek fan. <laughs> beaming beaming out. To, when, I, when I think of the RSS feed, too, I think of Elvis' Aloha from Hawaii thing with the satellite. We did via satellite all over the world at concert. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was the first one to do a concert like that all over the world. And you did it like two I actually saw that concert in Hawaii. Yeah. yeah, so that's what I think of the RSS. Even though we're not live on the RSS right now, after I get off the show and post it up to the RSS, then it gets beamed out all over the world. And I mean, we've been going, we go out to the Mideast. You know, we're, I tell you, we're, uh, Australia, you name it. You know, we're all over the world. It's, it's fun. In fact, I wish I could have a, a live time map. It'd be cool to have it on my wall in here in the studio and see, and see where I'm beaming out at that moment, you know? So it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun. It I is think fun. I, might put a, I might put a world map in here just so I can mark the little spaces on it to show where we're, where we're beaming out. <laughs> where audiences call me listening from. That's very interesting. Yeah. Um, so I've, I've been around a little longer than most of the audience listening to this, and I've seen a lot of movies. I enjoy movies, and I'm very selective on which ones I do see. Um, I don't watch a lot of TV. Cheryl will call me up and say, this show, this, I, I don't even know what she's talking about. <laughs> In fact, most people who watch regular TV um, know what day it is. If you ask me what day it is, I'm... Nancy, you want to make sure you draw that clock and the hands in it. I don't want anything wrong with me. I just don't keep a good track of what day it is. But I do like, uh, I'm very selective of the movies. I have a lot yet to watch. And why do I select movies to talk about these topics like tonight? Because it's a fun visualization on what the topic is about. Mm-hmm. And this movie I've seen over the years. I did not, um, I watch a couple of quick uh, clips on YouTube. Uh, she said, three ninety nine. I can't imagine there's not a place in there that offers it. Keep searching for free. I don't want anybody to have to pay for it. But if you don't get to watch it, watch the 10, 11, 12, 15-minute clips they do have. And I will talk about it, but one of my favorite scenes is the uh, uh, the pavilion of past lives. Yes, that if was pretty funny. you do nothing but watch that. That was funny. Real quick, <laughs> to interrupt, but real quick. I want to. I don't really uh, endorse people's show, other shows and stuff, but I get great entertainment. There's a woman named Christy Cates, and people have 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 jumped all over her stuff and copied it, even taken her stuff as made it their own. And she's called Three Southern Cats and Their Mama, and uh, <laughs> she has come up with some clever stuff. And Jerry, I sent I sent you this on TikTok. So over on TikTok, I sent you the video. She has been doing stuff lately, the last couple months, on the paranormal. And it's really fun. It's, it's just really or fun. Or cats. You, you, uh-huh. Her cats, yeah. And today's was really funny. Today's is how the, the ghost hunters react when, when they run into a negative. I was just, <laughs> there's something, something unhappy, you know. So I, I encourage you guys to check her out. She's not only on Facebook, she's on YouTube. And they're hilarious. I mean, even the non-paranormal ones are hilarious. But these are absolutely hilarious. This one I saw today was just, just had me in stitches. I could talk a whole show just on these silly cats that I have. And, and you know, you walk by a chair or anything that they can hide and also when an arm comes out and grabs you <laughs> oh my God, this so good. hang on hang on this sounds really good Nancy. i wish i wish i had abc you would like not dead yet okay is that a tv show <laughs> i guess so yes yeah, on abc oh so, so keep so, out an obituary writer who can talk to the dead one she's writing cool. about i love that 
Can you imagine? Because I know, I know what it's like as a reporter to do profiles on people, and they stand and they're really adamant about what what, what you write about them. You know, well, so, you know, I I have a, I'm advocate of people writing their own obituaries. I am too, because you don't want it's, someone to write it like the old the old woman talking about. <laughs> well, yeah, and being you know, on that end, especially if it's somebody very very interesting, I like Joe Blow too. It doesn't bother me, but people can get really anal and fussy about what you put in. People, yeah. <laughs> people can be really anal and fussy about what you put in about them, like even a newspaper article. So mm. I would love to see this show. <laughs> I think I can't imagine anything worse than having some dead guy standing over you dictating what, what, what you should write. That would be great. Uh, <laughs> but I do have people talking to me, but never have they said, I did like the obituary. And all these years, 33 years doing this, only one person complained of how he was buried. And he, he was buried the wrong way into the side of a hill. And he said he wanted his head looking into the valley, and they turned it around where his feet were sticking out. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> that All these years. And I thought to myself, it's, you know, you're, you're kidding me. Well, we need to get on to this movie. I know. Uh, Defending well, Your Life was 1991. Most of you probably have not heard of Albert Brook, but, Brooks, but I really like the fellow. He's been in a lot of movies. Albert, A-L-B-E-R-T, Brooks, B-R. O O K S, I believe. And of course, everybody knows Bell Streak, Streep. And she was uh, 1991. She was quite a bit younger. Uh, she has a fluidity about her of movement. And I enjoyed her in this because it's not a sense of arrogance, but she had lived either enough lives, but she had no, um, I probably should start from the beginning. Uh, she had a confidence about her and the way she acted and moved. Well, poor old Albert. He lived his whole life with fear. And it's a part of why I picked this, uh, Defending Your Life. So the movie starts out, and if you haven't seen it, um, I will tell you some of it, the best parts. Real quick, but real watch quick, it. Real quick. There are certain, you talk about Meryl Streep. There are certain star movie stars right now that remind me of old-time Hollywood kind of movie stars. Yeah, I don't have any idea. Meryl Streep was one because because you know what they all had to you know back then they didn't have voiceover people like back in the 30s and 40s, so they all had to do their own singing, right? So I look upon them like 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 Nicole Kidman is like an old time movie star. She reminds me of that glamorous part of Hollywood. Meryl Streep is another one. You know, there's just people like them, and I love I love Meryl Streep. I'll shut up now. Go. She has, like I said, there's a way that she moves. Mm-hmm. And she has an air of confidence without being too heavy on it. And poor Albert, he has a whole life of, of not failures, but fear of everything. So the movie starts out, he's accomplished something. I can't remember what it was. It, I had not seen anything. In fact, I have a copy of the DVD and I couldn't find it. So after, after weeks, I'll be looking for it for sure. Um, he gives himself a gift. I think it was either his birthday or he got a better job. I can't remember. But he goes out and buys his itty-bitty sports car. And and he's driving it. And in 1991, we had cassette tapes. I don't think we had CDs. And this is very one of the things that captured me on this, and I wanted to bring it up. Months back, I talked about this one lady named Pat. I hope she hasn't. It's one of my books I promised I would write. It's the gal that died of leukemia. Her daughter was 19, 18 or 19. 
And I saw the portal with an angel helping her through the portal. And she said to me, tell my mom, let go of my hand. And the minute I said that, Pat, in the vision of herself, she let go. So that taught me that we can transfer, go from this time to other time zones and fix the past. But she's also the one whose daughter was engaged to a fella who was driving an open car around the mountain of Auburn, oh California, boy. somewhere. Oh boy. And he had a CD and he was changing it and going around a bend very tight and a truck hit him coming from another way. And this is exactly what happened. And what curiously, Pat's future son-in-law got killed. The impact threw his spirit out of his body and he was sitting in the air and he looked around like, what the, <laughs> like, what? And he couldn't go back because the car was mangled and it was a, a terrible accident going over the cliff and everything. <clears throat> and in this one, Albert Books gets the vehicle. He's got his head down underneath the dash, like I'm, like that. And he looks up too late and he goes, oh no, the next second, nothing to do with the tunnel or anything. Next second, he's walking down this long corridor. And there's all these people in line, all different ages, um, mostly seniors, and they all have a white smock on. And it's like when you first pass over in this movie, you're given no identity. You're given um, placid feeling, calmness. You don't have any identity between you and everybody else. We're all the same. And they show that by wearing the white. And so this movie brings out a lot of things I'd like to discuss but in my visions of these people that pass over, we create our own afterlife. We create how we want that to look to us. And I always bring up what dreams may come with Robin Williams. And in that movie, his wife, what dreams may come, his wife is an exceptional artist. And he wakes up after his death in her paintings. Mm -hmm. It's a landscape full of the beautiful colors of earth. In this movie, it's a long, dark hallway, <laughs> and they have no color on. It's all blanche, and they're all kind of daisy, like, oh, my gosh, what happened? I'm still kind of droggy, implying that they slept through their death or they slept through the event, and they wake up in common grounds with everybody else. I don't see it that way, but I found that interpretation could be very appealing. Maybe someone would create them that for themselves. For me, I think I'll wake up uh, possibly um, on a running trail with trees all around me. That seems to be my heaven. Or my sister may wake up sitting on the ocean because she's an ocean person. So mm -hmm. how you identify yourself is how Shara will wake up in her studio. <laughs> yeah. I'll wake up right? in my studio. Yes. Yeah. Or Hawaii. Or Hawaii. The studio or that's beach in Hawaii somewhere. You know, so I, I find that very curious. Okay. So um, he's in this corridor, and a gentleman takes him, uh, explains the situation, and they said, we're now going to take you to a residence for yourself. And as he's getting into what they call the open tram look, they take him to the hotel, and there seems to be multitudes of hotels everywhere. And he, he doesn't know how he was assigned this one versus a, but it looks like a Motel 6 inside <laughs> versus a Hilton. It's, it's quite um, basic, and he's quite satisfied. And then he says, by the way, the best thing of being here, the guy that's talking to him, is all the food 
that you can eat. And so he has pretty substantial meals. To him, it's wonderful. And spirit people speak to me about wanting to be born, come back, and why they don't all come back immediately. There's all kinds of reasons. And I spoke to, I don't know, Shar, but some of two or three people. It seems like the, um, on Facebook, I belong to quite a few uh, places, that, uh, sites that are talk about reincarnation with children. And I, I so enjoy it. And it appears, just an observation, um, that children seem to come back right quickly if they uh, unfortunately pass away very young in life. And um, there are people that come back quickly. I know of a case where a child was born and grandpa died only a couple hours earlier. And as a child grows up, he says, I'm, I'm grandpa. That's rare. Usually I've heard all, I will never criticize someone else's interpretation because I get something, they could get something else. I actually um, feel and have heard of a 25 year. And I thought, I wonder what that means, 25 years. I think it's time enough to get caught up or visit the relatives or just get bored and come back. And I'm going to find this one. I, I kept all the calendars of all the years. They're not easy to get. They're in deep in boxes. And I talked to a mother, uh, and then I talked to the daughter. And this was on the phone. I never got to meet them in person. And I, I was, I like keep my eyes closed. It's like I can't see anyway. And I was just like feeling her essence, a beautiful 17-year-old. Uh, it was just beautiful youth. All of a sudden, I saw this woman show up. And she was tall and thin, uh, very dark hair. And she says, I'm known, I was known for my long black dresses. And she says, people would imply, as I would say, a willow branch. And I started giving all this description. And the girl started screaming at her mom, Mama, I was Coco Chanel. I says, who's that? Well, you don't ask me. It's like what TV show is on. You're not going to say, Nancy, don't you know fashion designers? I go, oh, well, let's see, jeans and <laughs> riding boots, and then I went into running shoes. I mean, there's some things I know, but not a lot. Anyway, um, and I told her, I says, most of the time, it seems to be a 25-year turnaround. Well, guess what? 25 years after this lady died, this girl was born the same year, not necessarily the same month. But when they figured it out, I could hear Mama screaming in the background, it's been exactly 25 years, just like Nancy said. I went, well... Okay, you know, that's, and then I've heard other people say, I didn't want to come back for 400 years on someone else's show. That's fine. But with my, my experience is that if people, and I really don't know the criteria, so I'm just addressing the show, the movie, I hope you don't get distracted by, I will go back to it. I, has, I have found that spirit people speak to me of missing the density of flesh. And this old meat jacket I'm wearing, you know, I was telling people I said geez it keeps wearing out <laughs> I'd like to be around a little longer to type all my books up and talk to more people so you know the universe is in control not me right so um and Sharon I've talked about this with psychics and mediums who wear ourselves out I don't know if that's it it seems like my gene pool <laughs> I was born into a family it's like the cartoon of the little baby coming and saying coming out of the womb and saying look had that look on the face you mean I'm not born into a wealthy family again <laughs> wonderful so anyway let's go on so they miss um eating particularly smelling 
And so that go movie on TV, the TV series Ghost, I've seen a few of those, of course, because it's ghosts. Um, they, uh, um, they like to smell. I don't know how they do it because we don't have nostrils in afterlife. But they asked the owners of the um, bread and breakfast to cook a lot. Now, I'm not sure how that works because they, spirits tell me, they miss that smell. So what they do is they'll go to restaurants or go to families' homes, especially the holidays. And as people, and I'm a good example, uh, the smell of coffee uh, for the holidays, my son signed me up. Uh, for receiving coffees. I get five one pound bag and I get it in the mail and I can smell it. So a spirit person would watch me smell the package of coffee. And then when I open it up, oh my God, the aroma just floods me. So, you know, I'm coming back for more coffee, right? But that's what they do. They miss that smelling and they watch us and they get the biggest kick out of garlic bread, pies, um, any spicy food, um, the coffee, uh, the reference to coffee and things that are uh, spicy and, and desserts is quite substantial. It's just uh, astounding to me. And I, one time I got a message, I miss rhubarb pie. Well, I have no, I have never had a rhubarb pie. I wouldn't know. So it, clearly I listened, I heard it correctly because when I said I went, I wouldn't be able to identify rhubarb pie versus some other cherry or apple if it's called looks the same when it's cooked but i heard him correctly and, she, and the client went oh my god that was his favorite oh, on and on and on i went phew because in this business you can be right or you can be wrong in a heartbeat and most people don't like that um, i tell my people please practice 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 so that could be another show uh, so that you feel confident enough to be able to listen and pick those things up. Rhubarb pie, I've never had a piece of rhubarb pie. I wouldn't know what it even tastes like. But this individual missed that so much. And they come back for that. And I go, wow, life is not easy. And there's a lot of discomfort in life. But yet, the thickness of our bodies, to have a hug or hold hands. My husband, I go somewhere and hold hands or lock arms or something that flesh that thickness is what they miss and smells and the ghost the um, tv series called ghosts is a good example and the other one which i wanted to bring up tonight defending your life is regret and i will answer this but the movie ghost town about the dentist that gets killed pardon me the dentist that has a colonoscopy and they kill him by several minutes he comes back and you can see ghosts I, I love it. So if you have a chance, uh, and in the chat room, uh, who is the gentleman that plays in that movie? Look it up for me, kids. Um, do you remember? He's a, a TV comedian. He's from England. So I want to go on. So in the movie at the beginning, they get to eat anything they want, and they, it tastes wonderful. So with that, they're still in their smock. Everybody's not identifiable by what they wear, which is, I think, great. Um, they can have all the food they want. And so then they have an opportunity to mingle and go around. And he, he meets uh, another la a lady there. And her character, I forgot the name. I should have written that was Meryl Streak. 
And she is there, and they go out to dinner together. And it's just a feast for the eyes to see all the food. It's quite amazing. And they start talking about something that they, they were told is that pretty soon they're going to have an opportunity to review their life. And then it's kind of said, well, you'll be defend. You have a prosecutor and you have your attorney and you have to defend your life. And clearly they didn't know what that meant. Why would you have to do that? It was quite complex. Um, it's called, he, he's, uh, he is told there'll be a review of his life. He is unaware of the complexity of the trial. <clears throat> so he walks into this room, like a theater room, um, and there's a chair in, on a platform, and then there's several people sitting around. And son are, one attorney for him is defending him, and the other ones are the reviewers, the judges of his life. And poor <laughs> his whole life is full of insecurities and failures and fears. The fear creates the failures. So everything that was brought up was him being bullied in school from the youngest age all the way through getting jobs and whatever. And then he meets up with Meryl afterward, and she's just gliding. And she's just lovely, <laughs> lovely. And even this old ugly smock she has on looks wonderful on her, right? And she's talking about all the things that she was able to do. And he says, well, how did you die? Oh, I was rescuing a child uh, in the swimming pool. I think it was a child or furniture or something. And she tripped over the hose <laughs> and fell into the water and drowned. And she says, how did you do it? He says, I don't know that I would change it a CD. <laughs> and the car hit me. Very uneventful, nothing spectacular at all. In fact, at one point in the movie, he has extra time. So he knows when, where to go to have her review. And they only pulled seven incidences of their life because she's so spectacular. He comes in and sees her rescuing people off a burning building. <laughs> it's funny because during that review, it's, it's like any, any of us would be. You go in there, they, they, they've got you in, in multiple stalls. There's other people in there getting their reviews. But it's funny because everybody in there is like, what's yours like? Oh, well, no, like? that's not quite yet. This is a review of their personal life. Okay, okay. yeah, but Not the past that. life yet. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like and I'm so, she, no, no, that's okay. And so she casually asks him, well, how many life situations are they going through? And he had this great big number. And he asked her, I think she said seven or nine. Is that all? And every one of them was spectacular. So you kind of wonder, and that did occur to me. <laughs> I don't want to get me up. It did occur to me, I think, if I, we have a review, which ones will be selected for us? And when I do a reading and I enter time, I call it a thread, whatever your thought is. Some people think I can bounce back and forth and go from one thread to another thread. And all of a sudden I'm going, stay, keep on one thread, one thought, because I can follow that. And then I will notice um, energy. And I try to measure it between where I'm standing in their body in time. And I've done it for so long, I kind of have a, a sense of years or months. And it's a ball of energy of in interest, um, success, or failure. Sometimes I don't know what it is. But if you ask me a question, like if I can back up in time in someone's life, this just happened. Someone was dating somebody, wanted to know about the fella, as men, men do also. It's not just one way. And I could go back, I think he was 17, and he had a terrible situation. And then he was with a woman and had a breakup at 20. So it was just like big wounds in his life that he couldn't quite come 
to grips with or get over. I would see those. But the problem with these evaluations of their lives and a review of their lives, current lives, um, is how do they choose? And I think they took a theme of what was prevalent in that individual's life. So um, in this life, I have a fear of fire. Uh, and it was pretty substantial. And I lived on, you can look this up, Black Mountain, Hornbrook, California, 3,000 elevation, Shara knows where I, I was. And they actually had a fire there. And somebody on a windy day thought they could burn trash. It was on the other side of the mountain than that, where I was. Burnt the town down of Thornbrook, and one individual lost his life. And when the sheriff came around and told us to evacuate, I was looking out. Larry yelled at me, and I went outside. And the I'm not sure what they call it, but pieces of, of debris uh, from trees were as big as my thumb, and they were lit in the fire. They were on fire, uh, not flaming, but ember red. And I remember seeing it fall down, almost like snow, but not a heavy snow. And I remember thinking, we have no control over that. That's how fire spread is these embers. And of course, a house is in a forest environment, right? And I'm thinking, oh my gosh. You know, it was very frightful for me. So that was um, four years, five years back. I haven't had that fear of fire. So where did that come from? I don't know, but it had come up several times in my life. Um, and so if I equate that to the review of their, they may come and say, why are you so afraid of fire? They could bring it up over and over and over. So that's, that's the only thing I can think of to talk about it tonight. I had a past life regression um, I, I went to the college to have one, or was it with, um, anyway, um, I saw myself as a man leaning against a tree and I'm watching my barn burn down with all the animals inside and I'm mortally wounded and I'm sitting far uh, against this tree far enough away that I have a panis, a panasratic, um, pan <laughs> a big view of the, of the barn burning down and it was so um, devastating to me, not my own death, but that I, I was so injured I couldn't help the animals. And I think that sometimes we have to heal over lifetimes, something like that. But I don't have the fear of that kind of fire where I am now at all. Nothing. It's not like it's super safe here. It's just not going to happen here. So um, Orville's safe, everybody. <laughs> I don't get a sense of that here at all. So... Um, so that's how they must determine that for for this character, Albert, is his fear from a ch very young child of being bullied and the fear of being bullied. And that fear uh, kind of leaped over into other areas of his life and contaminated those areas with an unconscious, unremembered incident way early. And you'll hear me in readings or talks, woundology. And sometimes I go back to childhood and I'll say there's something really hurt hurtful that happened for a five-year-old. And sometimes people will know what that meant. Uh, people could say that with me. My father was killed when I was six. But my father was gone so much. He was an artist for Universal Studios, and he was always where the stars were taken painting. And so I didn't miss him because he was always gone. Kind of an unusual situation. When I had my own children, 
I missed him because then I realized what was gone because my husband at that time was alive. So um, that explains that um, for her, they were showing her how good she's done in this life, that she's earned the choice not to have to be born again. So she could go to the higher um, levels of, of heaven. I thought that was really great. Um, so it says here, uh, he ran, runs into her at a comedy club. So they're enjoying the comedians and they start talking. They feel very attracted to each other. They love eating and talking about the lives that they just left. Next day, they decide they want, and they're given the opportunity to go to, as Shar said earlier, the Past Lives Pavilion. And it was wonderful. All these people with these nondescript smocks on, no indicator what kind of life they had or how successful or how brave or anything. And they had a couple of people... <laughs> If anything, just look that up. It, it's wonderful. Anyway, they had three or four different people seeing themselves in the past. And Albert Books puts his hand on there. <laughs> and, the, and the poor guy that comes up is um, a native out of Africa with all headdress, beautiful costume on. And he's being chased by a, a growling cat of some sort. And he's petrified, like, oh, my gosh. Did I just get eaten in that life? Is that how I ended? And she, on the other side, was being shown a panoramic view of one life after another. And, of course, she's Prince Valiant. <laughs> really? And then she's shown another wonderful um, European leader and an Italian, Roman something, all these wonderful people. <laughs> and she just is in awe, just wonderful, wonderful. And she and he says, "Who are you?" Oh, I was Prince Valiant. And then she says, "And who are you?" And he looks at her and he says, "Dinner." <laughs> so he's dinner. That's all he did. He was so afraid to stay and fight the animal. He ran and got eaten. Uh, one of my favorite scenes of the whole movie. Um, so afterward, I can't remember if they. I. It's been years since I've seen the movie. All I saw was a little couple clips. So after they leave that pavilion they do go have a meal and then she invites him to her room and he kind of hesitates and he has fear of rejection he has fear of the and he doesn't say yes and he is concerned about so many things like who is he and what is he feeling and he's just all these fears encompass him and he leaves her and the next day the judges tell him he will be sent back and reborn so after they review him one more time he's reviewing his own life they stand their ground and when you watch the movie the judges are well-known people actors that and they do a really wonderful job and they're very sympathetic and they go you just didn't cut it guy you just didn't learn anything in that life and and of course I'm going to be addressing that too and he he nods his head and he goes okay okay so he's resigned himself to failure Right. And they do address that. Um, and he's then the next day, they're all giving passes of where they need to go. And it kind of looks like a bus station with lines and lines of rows and rows and rows of different um, paths that it will be taken to different parts of the universe and to Earth. And these trams are closed, closed glasses closed off. I don't know why. Maybe it's important for the movie. Anyway. 
he uh, is given a seat and he knows he's going to go back. He just goes, oh, he's going to sit there and he's going to have to be going back. And he looks over and there's Meryl, like one couple, one, uh, two lanes over. And she's so happy and they're all so happy. And then he sees, she sees him. Oh, oh, I'm, you know, I'm so sorry, you know. And then it all of a sudden occurs to him, what is he doing? He wants to be with her. And somehow he gets that glass door and he rips it open and he jumps out of a moving tram and he falls on the ground. And he's almost hit by another one. He braces over there and he wants her so bad. She, come in, come in. So she, he works up that glass and he opens up the tram glass doors and he joins her. Or, you know, he opens that up and he's trying so hard. And in the background, the camera shifts to the reviewers, the judges. And they say, do you think he's learned what he needs to learn is to stand up for himself and not be fearful? Yes. So let him get on the tram with her and let them go to the higher realms. And that's more or less the end of the movie on how this one gentleman had to come to grips with his life of fear. And what is it he really wants? And that's what I want to talk about is how we judge our life. And what's really curious is no matter whom I speak to, all the people I've spoken to, there's a lot of discussion. Is this my purpose being here? What's my path? How can I be happy? Can I change jobs? And a lot of fear is that or a lot of um, needing a self-discovery, um, clean up our wounds, um, invisible uh, emotional wounds. We have to be mindful of the life we've lived. We are always in progress, always going forward, of the life we have around us and what we want in the future. And I call the, that term, what are your wishes, wants, hopes, and desires? A lot of times I've asked people, who are you as a person? They say, I want to date. I want to get married. I want a new job. And I said, well, then tell me, who are you? And they start, wait a minute, wait a minute, don't tell me. You write it down and you look at it. It's the hardest thing I've ever experienced is trying to get somebody to be real with themselves. Uh, I'm afraid I did it. And I have to tell them, you know, I, I, we got married really young. I, I uh, dated my high school sweetheart. We got married very young. Um, life is different different and difficult. We don't become adults until we're on 25. What do we know at 20 and 21, 19 and 20 rather? Well, in my years, I got married in 67. That was common to get married. In fact, my husband's Catholic clique, all five of us got married on the second, the day after two-year college <laughs> was over. <laughs> all five of us, we took all the Catholic school, all the Catholic church um, that in that whole area, and we end up getting married by Father Mastretta, Holy Family Catholic Church on Old Auburn and Sunrise Boulevard. I know most people don't know that. I'm, I say his name, I'm still afraid. <laughs> and uh, everybody's Catholic knows what I mean. So, in some ways, uh, how do we know who we are? We kind of drift apart. There's issues. Then I got cancer. In the years I was married, Catholics didn't get divorced. And so we stayed and I got cancer and I woke up one day and I said, I emotionally woke up and I says, who am I as a person? Is this how I want to live? If I'm going to die of cancer, is this where I want to be? And clearly neither one of us was happy. So I made this really hard decision and uh, it was really difficult because I had a 15 year old at home 
that whatever time I had left, I had to seek out who I was. Because in those years, and I'm saying, remember people say, oh, my parents and grandparents walked to school in the snow and back. In the snow. <laughs> but it's all relative. Each generation handles things differently. Like I said, I didn't know anybody who had gotten a divorce in those years. Even in the year of 80, 1988, uh, there was two other ladies at work that were divorced that admitted to me. That was amazing to me. Uh, and so in 67, that was a very normal thing to get married in those years at that age. Um, for us, because we dated all through high school, four, four and a half years before we got married. So the parents all said, we've got to get married. You know, this is their life. Um, and so at that time, I made that choice to leave, but I still worked at the telephone company. I was engineer and supervisor for Pacific Bell in Auburn, California. And um, and I always tell the story, so I hope you don't get bored with me saying it. I was so great. A year and a half later, I was so grateful to be alive. And the doc said, well, we'll watch you for 15 years to see if you're okay. And that seemed like a, a big, long time to worry about cancer. And I, I changed my life by getting divorced. And then I said to the universe, thank you for my life and my sanity. And if you wish, I'll work for the rest of my life. And the universe directed me to the Spirit of Grace, UCM, Universal Christ of the Master, Citrusites, California, where I spent the next 15 years. And I was there two years, and the universe said to me, get your uh, ministry. And I stepped into this. I've never turned back. It's been 33 years now. And I tell people that if I, as an engineering supervisor, making as much money as I ever need, uh, I was only first-line management, but I was only 39 when I got cancer. But I was only uh, 42, so I could have moved up, stayed there for, until 65 if I thought I could live that long. And I realized I, I needed answers why bad things happen to good people, and I made that leap. So I've been, I went from being an engineering supervisor to a professional psychic. <laughs> Tell me, that isn't a big step. <laughs> and I said, I say to people, find that passion and purpose. Find that thing that sings your soul helps you sing and and work toward it if you're willing to put the time in which i did in 15 years every weekend i was somewhere most of you that know of me in california uh always seen me in events somewhere either it was the church every friday night on the weekends at uh, psychic fairs uh, east west bookstore to the big conventions in sacramento um, i was everywhere and i loved it and it and I became very successful at it. And that's the difference is judging your life and judging yourself. Where's that passion? And where's your determination? And where's that whatever it takes to do your own thing? Not necessarily do you have to be self-employed because that's also very difficult. But if you are in a position where you're not happy, but you've always wanted to be an artist, well, how many hours a week a day are you willing to work at that to the level of the success that you desire. So sometimes just determination to have a better life, to make it your life and your path. And that's very difficult because the health company, I had a check every two weeks and I could then, well, I couldn't get away with not working because I had five satellite offices. Um, anyway, I was always busy. But a lot of times I know people who say, in fact, I did hear this from somebody, I won't repeat who it is, of course I won't. Um, they don't know what I do because I work 
like this. And so this gentleman was able to um, kind of cheat a little, and he hardly worked at all. And it did catch up with him. He said it too many times to the wrong person. Um, but you can get caught at it. But I say success is so um, measurable only by, by your standards. And I was successful because I was able to help people survive their life. And that was the main reason I stayed in it. And I've already told you, I had a girlfriend when I told her, I said, I'm working too many hours. I work, tell the company I come home and I do this, I have to give up one. Of course, my decision was to tell the company. She looked at me and almost yelled. She said, how dare you give that up? You don't know how long you're going to live. Why don't you, why don't you help people live their life? And that was, that was easily the decision. That was 31 years ago. So if you are, as Albert books in this movie, never happy, always struggling, find that passion in your life and live it. And you won't be disappointed. This young girl I was telling you about, Coco Chanel, she says, how did you know I want to be a fashion designer? I says, I didn't know. Why did Coco Chanel show up? And she was a fashion designer. And she's now taken on another life to do it again. I was absolutely amazed. And it happened again in the same time frame of a young lady. Mother was on the phone, too, and got off and let her daughter talk to me. And I was talking to her. I brought this up before. And this, all of a sudden, I saw what I would call the halls of Europe, of Russia, maybe. It felt like Russia. And the hall that this middle-aged lady was dancing. And in her mind, I heard, this is my last time to dance for the emperor. And she was a ballerina. And she felt like she was in her 40s. And this hallway with the, you know, straight up like a church. And then the pillars came out. And she was dancing with the sun coming in off the windows at her. She was absolutely beautiful. And the woman, the young girl, said to me, oh, I've been wanting to be a ballerina all my life. And the mother told me later she's been studying since she's like three or four years old. And so that ballerina has also come back. Why did that impress me so? Because I wasn't wanting past life information. I was just trying to help them sort out how to get to where they wanted to go. I sit here and it's flooding me. And then people say, well, how do you get the information? I said, because you want to know. It's not that I want to know. You do. So you're telling me to tell you in the flesh, this is who you are and what you want. I find that wonderful. So the fear of life is a self-created um, imprisonment. And once we get over that, then almost everything you want is attainable. And that happened to me before. Uh, I used to be competitive horse riding. And I, I did all kinds of stuff. I wasn't like my husband, 50 and 100 miles, but I did 31 and 50s. And I was pretty good at it. And one day someone said to me, do you know something's wrong with your ankle? Well, when I was at a drive-in movie, my daughter was three and stepped in a chuck hole. Unbeknownst to me, when I'm riding and that ankle got weak, it would start doing this, blah, 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 blah. And I was riding an uh, English saddle. And someone said, you need to start running. Oh, I would have loved it. I gave up my horse. <laughs> I became a full-time runner. Who knew? And the emphasis of my telling that is I have, I conquered something I never thought I could do is be a runner. And it gave me the power to think if I could do that, I could do anything. And that was the year uh, that I got cancer and then I left my husband. If I hadn't uh, conquered running, I wouldn't have known if I could conquer leaving him. 
So sometimes we have to be mindful of the small challenges that we see as big, but in actuality, it's the conquering of it that's important. When you conquer a fear, you conquer um, like running, you could conquer bowling, you could conquer um, being a model. When you can stand out and feel good about yourself, when you conquer something, then you know you can conquer anything you desire. So when I hear about people afraid of life change, I ask them what are they good at, what's their hobbies? Because sometimes they'll talk about something they created for themselves and they, they were really good at it. And I remind them, what makes you think you can't do that with doing this? Um, we have a problem in our life of too much uh, news on TV, people being unhappy. And there's not there's a whole bunch of words you could call it, but we're not optimistic about life. We're very pessimistic. I haven't told my mouth that I, I should have had more coffee. Um, we're very unhappy with the surroundings of our life. And we're not, I want to say it so you understand I'm not criticizing people. We're looking at our life as a glass half full, half empty, not half full. And so we don't look at the possibility of more. We look at the possibility of losing more. We've got to turn that around and be more mindful of every day that you're alive. And I find that when people are negative like that and they have a lot more depression, they uh, in bed at night or during the day, they're always going over their mind all the things that could have been better. Earlier I said something that I'm really starting to believe. If I can go back in time, people will ask me about relatives from the past that are no longer alive, and I'll talk about them. They say, how do you do that? And I say, listen, if I knew how this would I could sell this to you for a nickel, I would. But I am somehow I'm able to enter time. And entering time is the base of our neck. I go down, it looks almost two inches. And I can feel the slip, and then I can feel time. Going forward is a little harder than going past. Past is used, it's like a slip slide. I can go back and find anybody you want to talk about. Um, and I talk personality, and they go, oh, how do you do this? How do you do that? I said, I, I want you to. And I'll tell the person, I go back, look, remind me of something in your life that was so wonderful. And for women that's having the child, I have a picture of my son in bassinet. And I got three mobiles. And he's kicking it and going around. The thing is twirling around. And it's a wonderful feeling because it makes, I have a picture of him. And it's such a simple action. And he's kicking the mobile with his feet. And he's just loving it. Okay, so I want you to pick a time in your life that gave you a wonderful reaction. For a woman that's hugging a baby or kissing a child or the birth of the children, you got married, some big deal, or your new first new car that smells so good. You can go back and revisit good times. Uh, for my sister in or, uh, Seattle, she loves the sunrise, sunset in the ocean. And so I'm sure that like I said earlier, when she passes over, that probably what she'll see, because it it it's uh, captures her, her, makes her think wonderful things. I have now come to realize, and I do it not often. We don't do this often. We sometimes in our minds go over a negative situation over and over and over. I would like you to go back to a negative situation, a quiet moment, lay in bed, sit in the car with the sun on you, whatever is a peaceful, quiet, really feel good moment. 
and be very mindful of the area around you so you don't get distracted. And I want you to put yourself in a situation where you can feel that. You said the wrong thing to somebody. You were indifferent when you should have been more attentive. You said something in a quirk way. You yelled, yelled child or you yelled at a spouse or someone at work. I want you to go back and I want you to relive it and don't do it. Don't say the wrong thing. If you have to, I want you to put yourself into that situation and I want you to say to that person, I'm sorry. That is a domino that will affect the future instantaneously. Unbelievable. But you have to believe it. You want to do it until you feel like you have changed it. And we do that. And that domino from that moment in the past to now is no longer a negative moment. You will not know what you've already fixed because it's instantaneous. Try it. Your relationships may be ultimately different around you because you took the time to rethink of a negative moment like Albert Brooks and all his fears. He should have stood up to the bully. He should have done this. He should have done that. But we have that power to change an outcome of something in the past. Now, you can't go back and say to somebody you shot or you hit with a car or the dog that you mistreated because dogs don't understand. Just, you have to love it up. There are some things you can't fix, so don't write me a note, everybody. We can't change world wars. We can't think somebody to death and of a leader in the past that killed millions of people. We just can't do that. We're talking about individual moments that affect you today that keep you from sleeping, keep you from wanting to interact with people. <clears throat> um, changing life is difficult. How much do you really want that change? No one is guaranteed tomorrow. Ask me. Right, Char? I am not right. asking you to change jobs or give up a job. Please don't write me and say you gave up a job because I said it'd be happier if you don't. We have to pay our bills. But you could plan it out. And I've had people actually, uh, YouTube I do watch, and I enjoy uh, people who make the drastic changes. Um, they must be millionaires to live on an island. I don't know how they do it. Um, or they live in their vehicles. They don't have money, but they're happy. I have been inquired, um, I start watching these women that, um, senior women living out of their vehicles. And it's amazing to me the number of the ladies that interviewed. They see the freedom of stress of life. They read, uh, they walk, they have a pet with them, they meet up with other ladies. Unbelievable freedom. That's worth something, right? So sometimes the changes don't have to be large, but they have to be meaningful. Um, Okay, so optimistic look at things. Okay, looking to a life of helping is a soul satisfying. And yes, I found out my answers. I did find out, as I told you. Um, I stopped a 24-year career to become this professional psychic medium. And I didn't even like the idea. I tried to call myself something different because in the years I was doing this, the word psychic was kind of like a bad word. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, you're in a circus or... Oh, are you a fortune teller? I used to entertain in a lot of uh, private group type of things, so real estate groups, <laughs> uh, Coldwell Banker, millionaire, celebrate, uh, celebrating kind of a thing. Oh, the fortune tellers here. I go, oh, fudge. <laughs> had a few times. I just didn't want to do that. Um, 
have you heard of such a jump? I'd like to hear someone's stories. I hope they were out there. Um, actually, I could tell real quick one. There was two ladies in Sacramento that had jobs they didn't like. And they really wanted, this has been a while. I wonder if they're still working. And somewhat how they got involved with the hospitals. And they decided to start a business designing and making christening gowns and burial grounds gowns for newborn babies that passed away. Silvers wow. and new babies. Now that seems more of it. Remember, this is something I do, talk about this kind of thing. And they made an industry out of it. It's like the ladies that change uh, careers, taking pictures of newborns. You know, you see them all these cute costumes. Look at that. What a simple change. Anyway, these ladies made a really great business. And uh, surprisingly enough, they solicited women who had been married in formal gowns. And the gowns were donated. And they had ladies on the side make christening gowns and burial gowns uh, out of the wedding dresses. What a great idea. What a great idea. How clever are you people, right? Let's see what else we can hear. Um, the, uh, another one I like is Grandma Moses. Uh, she died, um, died quite a while back. She started painting at 72, 73 years old. She painted over 2,000 paintings. The most successful one um, sold for 1.2 million. Um, and she died in uh, 1961. She was born in 1860. So I'm trying to think of what year she would have been uh, 19 in the 40s if she started. I can't think it through here. But isn't that just amazing? It doesn't matter how old you are, it's a passion. For her to start at 72, 73 and painted two, over 2,000, the family, one of them sold for 1.2 million. Acts of kindness that you have done is worth and has meaning to others. Say you compliment somebody. This happened, I just heard of this. Someone complimented somebody for a medical procedure. The girl was really great. It wasn't me, it was somebody else. And uh, that procedure, uh, it was a mammogram, um, that one procedure, this girl did a really good job giving her mammogram, is when they found the cancer. So she went back and told this woman that she saved her and complimented her. It's not so much that Karen gave to herself that, but in the reviews, you have to suffer or you get reap the rewards of how you treat people. So you change places. So the woman that got the compliment and realized what a good job she did because they discovered cancer, how did that affect her life going forward? That's so satisfying when you get the understanding that you're in service and you're helping somebody else get a better life. I always say never damage another soul. And we all do without realizing it. But if you do, then I want you in, in a quiet moment, go back and say you're sorry and heal that soul. Um, being mindful is a term not thought of very often. Is becoming aware of your life, your surroundings, and your personage. Who are you? How are you wearing yourself? How are you treating yourself? And that's all cliche. Everybody's talking about diet and how much you should eat and shouldn't eat and everything. But that there's more. The dynamics of how calm you live your life. Are you aware if you're happy or not? Are you aware that you're breathing? That's being mindful. 
<clears throat> and I'm guilty not doing all of that for myself. I do not like to cook. <laughs> my first marriage, 21 years, all those meals twice a day just did me in. My mother never taught me how to cook. Got married, didn't know anything. How, how do you cook an egg? <laughs> okay. Um, okay, so the last is I'm not guilty. I'm dealing, I have to be more mindful. So when I want to relax myself, I went to the dentist, had three, count, three crowns done a couple of days ago. And I remember the word mindful. And I said, am I mindful in the dentist chair? And I said, okay, they're here to save my life. Because your eyes and your mouth, there's a freeway to your brain. If you don't take care of those things, then you can die. And I was all of a sudden grateful that I was putting up with this procedure. Because if I hadn't and let it go, what would happen if it got infected and, and did some more damage? So I turned it around and became grateful that I live in an era that that's possible. I didn't go to my first dentist until my, I was 11 or 12 years old. In those years, people didn't go. Um, couldn't afford it until she got married again. <clears throat> and the last thing I'll say is I, I hope you get to watch that. Um, and on my own uh, channel, uh, Nancy Met Psychic, I'm going to be uploading and talking about readings. And I have copies of thousands of readings. I have them on hard drive and on cassette tapes. So if you want in the future to listen to some of these readings, and it won't be in competition with Shard, it'd be a different night, um, go and subscribe. And then you'll find out as soon as I have in my mind a number of subscribers before I go to the trouble. Because it's a lot of work I'll be editing, which I think would be very fun. I'm very techy. Um, and cutting out their voices uh, or as much as I can. But I'll go back 25, 30 years if I have to. And so you'll hear of life and your stories that you're suffering through and some good answers. So I hope you enjoy this. Make sure we give a thumbs up to Shard put on the show and that you like this. And um, that's the end of the show. Okay. Cool. Very good. Very good, very good, very good. And remember to, to, sign up, to subscribe to Nancy's YouTube page too. She's got her YouTube oh. page up, so be sure to yeah, subscribe. Nancy to Matt Psychic. Yes, mm -hmm. Nancy Matt Psychic. Anyhow, thank you very much, Nancy. That was terrific. Loved every second of it. If you haven't seen that movie yet, go see it. Great movie. Real, Defending Your Life, 1991. We're not going to tell you the sort of details, but when they go in for their past life regression, there's a little bit of surprise of who's, of, uh, of who's running the show for that past life Oh, regression. yes. You'll love it. <laughs> Yeah. It's the There's past life review surprise. commentator, yeah. and I'm when sorry, you see her, yeah, yeah. yeah, when you see who is introducing the idea of past lives, you'll all have a good chuckle. Yes, yeah. sorry, it's a past life review. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, be sure to check the movie out. Okay, tomorrow is a paranormal day. Jason McCloud is going to be with us. He's a paranormal investigator who's had a lot of interesting cases, including working. With Ed and Lorraine Warren. Mm. That's how he got his his his, his feet wet uh, doing paranormal investigating. So he's got a lot of cool stories about working with them and learning, you know, his his skills from them. And plus, he does investigating and stuff on the side, you know, on, on his own end. So he'll be with us tomorrow, six thirty p.m. Pacific, right here, 
Okay. All right. That being said, if you like the show, ah, no, first, there's another event coming up. I don't have a date on it yet, but uh, we'll be for March, and I will let you know what it is, when it is, trying to put it together right now. And don't forget, I will be getting that video out later on today or tomorrow about what it takes to build a sound box, a soundproof box for your cell phone, you know, it's just a do-it-yourself kind of thing. And, uh, and then eventually I'll have one about putting the studio together. But uh, don't forget that that'll be out, and I'll be back 6.30 p.m. Pacific tomorrow with, to talk to Jason McLeod. If you like the show, share, share it with six, five people. If you hated the show, share it with five of your enemies. We're equal opportunity here and always looking to expand. And that's for the people on the RSS feed and YouTube, Facebook, and all those other cool places. We're gonna, I'm going to be just start doing a lot more on TikTok as well. So uh, for those of you that have TikTok, keep an eye out for that. But I want to thank you all for coming tonight. And uh, we, Nancy and I, will see you, we'll, we'll see you next week on, on her usual day. Uh, but I will see you tomorrow at 6.30. So here's Nancy's Thank information. You, Char, from, Char and I traded. I uh, have family coming in on Friday from out of state. Yeah. So, yeah. Thank you, everybody. Right. So here's Nancy's info. Websites, nancymats.com, all lowercase. nancymatsauthor.com, the N, the M, and the A is... Is, is uppercased and of course youtube.com forward slash nancy matt psychic the n the m and the p is capitalized nancy's got some books out help get me out of this funk two worlds developing your psychic skills And the unwilling sacrifice. And of course, you can get those at Amazon. All right, everyone, have a great evening. I'll see you at 6.30 tomorrow. Bye. Good night, everybody.